When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're starting by talking valuations on this week's Tripe Supper on the back of the of the talk of Newcastle United daring to be linked with a move for Daniel Ayala. Uh, Phil, can you can you put a price on a player like Ayala before before we see whether he adapts to the Premier League? I think if you if you're a club, you can because a you know how much he means to you, how much it'd be to replace him, for example. If if Borough were to, I don't think they would for a second, but if they were to to sell Danny Ayala next week. Um, how much would a replacement be? And a good Premier League centre back is ten, fifteen, twenty million pounds now, aren't they? You, you can you can almost add a naught on every couple of years because of the new TV deals. So that's the first thing you think. Well, if we lose him, how much does it cost to replace? And of course, you take into account age, nationality. You know whether or not they've got a, a pedigree in a particular division. Um, so I think you can. Yeah, obviously. The, what you can't um, really um, quantify before you put a player on the market or before a player becomes available is whether there'll be a bidding war. And if you've got a player who a lot of clubs want, then you're in you're in clover, aren't you? Because you can see, you know, you see certain average players going for far over the market value. Particularly, you've got to think strikers, who are the who are the you know the hardest player to to sign more often than not. I know, John. We we spoke about this. And I know there's there's the contract issue with Ayala by issue. Obviously, next summer it it's result, uh, Next summer it it runs out. If if Borough were, if he was to t- sign a long term deal, surely his his value would only increase if he starts the Premier League season well and continues his form from last season. Yeah, of course it would. Yeah, I mean, signing a long term deal. I mean, it's often said these days that contracts aren't worth the paper that they're kind of written on. But what it does do is it puts the power back in the the hands of the club if the club nails a player down to a four, five, six year contract then they can decide to sell at whatever price they want if a player comes into the last year of his contract the, the club kind of is in a little bit of a, a tricky predicament aren't they they either think well he'll leave on a free next summer or we sell now for a little bit of money but um, I mean in terms of Ayala I'm sure that kind of extending his deal must be pretty high up the, the agenda this summer uh, I don't for an instant think, as Phil said, that, it, that Borough will be looking to get rid of Danny Ayala. But that will be a, an issue, and there will be a couple of people that will be thinking we need to get that nailed down quickly, because if he does come into the last year of his contract, then it's, that's, you know, it's the player that very much holds the cards then. Well, we've seen that in the past, haven't we, Phil? I mean, people like Mark Viduca springs to mind, where, where the last four or five months are absolutely unplayable. And I mean, Schwartz, Schwartz's yeah. contract was around down a couple of times. How, how important is it to, to, for it to get it wrapped up before you, before you hit Christmas, say, and you're in the last five or six months? Yeah, well, the thing is, as we've seen with several players, you know, including the ones you've mentioned, that once a player gets into that last year... It becomes a bit of a sideshow, doesn't it? It becomes a distraction. It gets to January, and then they can sign pre-contract agreements, depending on wh- where they're from and you know which which part of the world they're from and which clubs they can sign for. But you know we've even seen that with Ramirez is allegedly signed a pre-contract already with with um, is it Penarol? Um, so it it becomes a bit of a mess. I mean, the strange thing about Danny Ayala is is that um, you know 
you'd have thought he was a player Borough would have signed on an extend, an extension yeah. last year. They've been very good in recent seasons of getting tying down their best players to long term deals. We saw you mentioned Viduka. We saw a lot of examples. Um, in the in the previous Premier League era of players running down their contracts, we think of Ross Turnbull leaving on a free, for example. Um, or the you know the club the club offered him a deal and they were outbid by Chelsea in terms of his wages, which was always going to happen. So um, it's a situation you don't want to allow it to happen because it just unsettle for me. It unsettles the changing room, and I also think if you're a player. You don't want that distraction, mm. you know. Imagine you're playing in the Premier League yeah. week in week out. It's hard enough as it is without knowing whether or not am I going to stay with Borough. You know, my agent's got me another. You know, potentially line me up a deal with somebody else. It just becomes a problem you could could well do without. I am surprised, as I say, that Borough haven't sorted a deal out with Danny. Of course, there was the issue around his fitness, mm. and now you know, look at looking at the stats very very briefly. The last two seasons, he's had a reasonable length of time on the sidelines with injury, and for a young lad for a young player that's a little bit of a, a slight concern I'm not saying we still wouldn't sh- we, we wouldn't or shouldn't do the deal but you know he's, he has had issues and of course there was that there was a so-called yeah. standoff as you've just said yeah with the manager saying that the medical team claimed he was fit and he said he wasn't, and so there's little bits around that. But you know, we don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill. Hopefully, that's you know, it's forgotten about now. Yeah. As Phil mentioned, we don't really know if Danny Ayala will step up to the Premier League. We all presume and, and predict that he probably will. But equally, he's a player that's never played at top flight. But not extending the deal by now is is a little bit of a gamble for Middlesbrough, really, because either he'll go up in next season and be an absolute colossus like he's been the last two years. Great, but then all of a sudden, everyone else, you know, all the millions and millions of people around the world, then start to realise, hang on, this player can play, and he's in the last year of his contract. Mm. You know, or the other hand, as if he struggles to adapt, then well, you know, which is a gamble on his part. Yeah, as well, exactly. Yeah. I, I both parties in a very similar situation. Yeah. Danny Ayala might never get offered a contract by a Premier League club again. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we forget sometimes, don't we? The yeah. Borough now aren't a Championship club looking to sign players who may progress. Yeah. They're a Premier League club with the effectively the world at their feet now if you're Danny Ayala it's a big gamble to say I'll, 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 I'll sit out I'm not saying by the way I'm not saying this is a situation that's mm. happened but theoretically he might decide to play out the next season and then if he plays out the next season suffers an injury and his form drops where's he going to go from there yeah. whereas if he signs a deal now I'm sure he'll, he'll be offered a really uh, uh, you know by mm. uh, by you know anybody's standards a really good contract if he decides to sign now You'd have to think he'd co- commit the next three or four years of his career, mm. his best years, to a Premier League club. To me, it's kind of a bit of a no-brainer. How is he going to, you know? And again, we use Danny Ayala as an example. How is he going to do any better than Borough at the moment? You know, certainly not going to Newcastle. I know we we put the tool on where you can kind of vote, uh, say how much you think he's worth. And and there was a there was a thing earlier in the day we we recorded this, and it said eighteen million pound was the most popular valuation. Uh, we won't go through the full squad, but but if Ayala's worth say fifteen million, then what what's Ben Gibson worth alongside him? Well, I mean, yeah, you I mean pluck a pluck a number from the air, isn't it? I mean, it was only a couple of weeks ago that there were reports that he was going to get fast tracked in the England setup. Now, if that is true, and that and that's the case, in six months' time, you're talking about a potential England international on your hands. So all of that comes into consideration. I was speaking to Phil about this earlier, and we were actually talking about uh, George Friend and kind of similarities with George Friend, and the one person that jumped out was Tyrone Mings. 
Now, he's obviously been injured all season for Bournemouth, but he, he must have moved for about £9 million, pounds, yeah, is it? Yeah, £9 million, wasn't yeah. it? Now, I actually think George Friend's a much better defender than Tyrone Mings and has proven it over the last three or four years. So that's what you're going to be looking at. The market now is only going one way and every club now has money and everyone in the world knows that the Premier League has money, which means it just pushes valuations up further. It's very difficult to put a number on what on what Borough's players are. We, we know how valuable we think the Borough's players are to the team. The rest of the world, you know, I'm sure that they all have very different valuations if you ask them to put a valuation on one player. And I know you uh, you touched on this earlier when we were talking about it. Do you think you can almost have blinkers on? In the, and I'm not for one minute saying that either of those players are worth any less because I think Gibson, young English player, you know, you charge what you want, can't you? You can hold clubs to ransom, but... Do you think you almost have blinkers on because we see them every week? And, and, and I guess we haven't seen Premier League players week in, week out for a number of years, have we? So could, could, you, could you change your opinion slightly three, four weeks into the season when you think, well, actually, whoever perhaps isn't going to step up as, as easily as we thought? Yeah, I mean, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? What, in one hand, we see the players more than anybody apart from the fans, and probably more than most fans as well because we go home and away. So few people have seen Adam Clayton, for example, more than we have in the past two years. So we have a really good idea of what they can do. Of course, we, can, we, can we extrapolate that and put it into a Premier League setting? Not really, because they've never been tested at that level. And it's a different thing being a dominant player in a, in a good team in a lesser division than it is being just another player in the Premier League when you're coming up against world-class players week in, week out. So I think on one hand, we've got a good amount of expertise from seeing these players. On the other hand, we, it is very difficult to, to assess how they're going to going to step up and I think that's the that, that's the art of a good scout isn't it they can look at a player and they, they, look, they don't just look at them once they look at them yeah. time after time and, and they see flaws in the game that maybe even we wouldn't see occasionally you know I'll use Adam Clayton as an example I've often thought what would he be like if he was playing up against a midfield that give him no room to operate whatsoever that would be the test of whether he could step up for example you know Ben Gibson what would he be like playing against some unbelievably gifted strikers in the Premier League, even someone like Giroud at Arsenal, um, Rushford, uh, so Rashford at Man United, who's just come through, but you know Ibrahimovic next season potentially. Some incredible names, aren't there? So it's a huge learning curve for them. And I think what we'll find is potentially over the first three, four, five weeks of the season, some players blossom and flower. Yeah. And I think one or two might probably find it too much, to be honest. And a lot of that will also depend on how the team's doing. But yeah, so I think um, in answer to your question, it's almost until you've seen the players mm. in that setting. And I know we've seen them in cup ties and they've done very well. Until we see them in that setting. I think we all have an idea now, don't we, who we think is going to shine next mm. season. Yeah, well it's interesting though because I think that you look at some players, for example Ayala, I think most will be in agreement that Ayala can step up. And then, and then players like Ensue, now, now a few have said to me that um, Emilio Ensue, you know, you, you need a right back, it's a big step for him. And then I was talking to a guy after the last game of the season actually, came up and I was having a chat with him and, and he was no illusions whatsoever that Ensue should be first choice next season. He's done enough, he can step up, he can only get better. And, and there is that, you could probably go through the full squad and... and Make a case for every single one of them. Of course, you can, and we all have kind of our our favourites, don't we? We all have very different opinions of who kind of uh, is is more crucial to the borough system than others. And I'm right, and you lot are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but I mean that's why that's why you know, the managers earn the big bucks, isn't it? Because it's on their head, be it. And if they if they keep faith in a player that doesn't cut it, or equally let someone go who would have cut it, it's on their head, isn't it? I think back to valuations is quite interesting because I don't I don't actually think the word valuations is what 
a player's worth, is it? It's what someone is willing to pay for it. And I mean, I think numbers are they're pretty arbitrary, really. I mean, you can easily pay seventeen million pounds for an absolute donkey, but you could easily pay seventeen million pounds for the player of the season. Mm. But technically, their valuation is the same. I mean, it's very kind of difficult to say. In terms of Borough squad next year, I don't know. I think I think. I think Aitor Karank will already have a good idea of which players will make the step up. I'm sure that, that those kind of discussions happen very quickly after the Brighton game with Steve Gibson, if not before that. Um, others kind of that were on the periphery last year. You, I'm not so sure. Like we wrote, I wrote a piece on Adam Reach earlier in the week, and kind of the the argument, the most logical argument, I suppose, is if he can't, if he's not a guaranteed starter in the Championship, how can he ever possibly become a Premier League regular? It's it's very difficult to construct that argument. I mean, there is there is the argument as well is that certain players suit the Premier League more than yeah. the Championship mm-hmm. and vice so you have versa. To, for sure, you could put. In that yeah, argument. I mean, it it is strange, isn't it? How you think you know the 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 almost grind horrible week in week out two games a week nature of the Championship isn't going to suit certain players. Will some of the players that Borough scouted last season, the South Americans, adapt better to the Premier League? Mm. L- you know, look at the, some of the players that have blossomed for Leicester City who two, three, four years ago we wouldn't even discuss around this table as yeah. potential mm-hmm. Premier League champions. So um, it is amazing how some players either find the right level or, 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 or step on a level, you know, particularly if they're the right age. I think that's why there's a premium on young players, your Ben Gibsons and your Danny Ayalas. They're those are the right side of 26. Uh, you know, they're, they're the players that you think you can sign and maybe not only get the best years out of their career, but actually develop them further. And it's, it's consistency. I mean, I've always thought that consistency between the Championship and the Premier League is, is the big difference. So I look at, say, someone like Yannick Balassi. Um, now, a couple of years ago, you'd have put him and Albert Adoma on par. They were both playing Championship football. They were both tearing defenders to bits week in, week out. Uh, obviously, Balassi's kicked on. Is, is it because they can do it week in, week out, as opposed to once every three or four weeks? And, and is it going to be vital for Borough's players to, to step up with that? Yeah, I think, I think that's probably fair. That's always what, what we kind of think, isn't it? Especially in terms of a, a position like a winger, it's consistency. I actually think in certain other positions, kind of, well, arguably, I think up front, I don't think there's a massive difference between the top end of the Championship and the bottom half of the Premier League now. I think increasing, it's getting increasingly less now as well. Um, I mean, if you look at, I think, a type of striker, I think obviously that the Championship is known for its kind of robust, kind of route one, um, kind of centre-forward target man kind of play, which I think that's a bit outdated. But if you're a poacher in the Championship, I think that there's no reason why you can't go at the bottom half of the Premier League and score consistently. Mm. Look at someone like Ricky Lambert, who's done it time and time again. He was he was pretty much in the same boat as, you could probably say, Jordan Rose, wasn't he? He's gone all the way through up the divisions. And, Jamie Vardy, for and that Jamie matter. Vardy, yeah. All the way through up the divisions, and then you get to the point now where we've never seen Jordan Rhodes in the Premier League, and people are saying... Well, he only he only scored kind of six goals for Borough in the last few months. Can he do it in the Premier League? I think if that kind of that style of striker, I don't think the step up is that great between the Championship and the Premier League. So long as you get that service into him, uh, we've talked about there about valuations and kind of what 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 players are worth and what would be what are ten clubs to cash in. In the past, Phil, there's always been this kind of every player has a price. Is that still the case with, with the revenue and with the fact that we talk about this kind of uh, bottomless pit of cash now? So, so are clubs under pressure to sell like the Pops? I don't think the members are under pressure so much, but I think that there's certain... I mean, you talk to any chairman, and Steve Gibson would admit, 
you know there are certain there, there are there are valuations you just you just have to accept. Eventually, you think, well, that's just too much money to turn down. You know, even Man United sold Ronaldo, didn't they? Mm. Um, so, I do think there is still an element of that. I think what it does do is is the amount of money sloshing around the Premier League levels the playing field a good bit. So that once over, you really did see the top four or five because of the Champions League money operate at a different level, yeah. really were. For, for about 10 years, we saw that top four barely change, didn't we? And then City came in and upset the apple cart a little bit, and then all, all of a sudden, the clubs at the bottom are starting to pocket upwards of £100 million. And, and so, there are only so many really good world-class players about, but there are a lot of very average players. And what, what clubs in the Premier League can do now is, they maybe can't shop at the top table, but but they can now shop at the next level down and get some really good players. And so they can establish themselves in the Premier League, like Swansea have, like Southampton have, like West Brom have. Um, so I, 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 think, I think while you're always in danger of losing, you know, if, if we unearth the next... Uh, you, know, you can see Jamie Vardy's going, can't you, that he's potentially going to leave Leicester. Because at the end of the day, it's maybe it's not so much that the valuation alone gets a player out of a club... It's also the club that wants to sign you. So, you know, Bale left Tottenham. Would Bale yeah. have left Man United for Real Madrid? Possibly, but not not anywhere near as quickly it's as he left Spurs. Turned, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. we've seen that before, haven't we? You know, if, we have, if we've got a young player come, Dale Fry, let's say in three years' time, he's just a world beater. He's, he's, you know, he's a 21-year-old world beater and we get a £60 million offer from, 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 a, from, from a Chelsea. The reality is we'd probably have to let him go yeah. because he'd want to go. But the, well, I think it's more that than the need financially, especially yeah. in a few years' time. If if Borough stay in the Premier League, it'll be a case of the player wanting to go rather than Borough needing to sell with the money. I mean, the comparison you can often make is the the top of the Bundesliga. Well, Bayern Munich pretty much every summer go out to their direct rivals and pretty much you know, buy, buy the best yeah. players. They've done it again this summer with Hummels. You know, you got Lewandowski back in. And you in see the day it's good, so. Madrid, exactly. yeah. year in year yeah. out. But it's, that wouldn't happen in the Premier League. You, you can't imagine a Chelsea or a Manchester United going to each other no. and saying, right, no. I want this player. Because it doesn't happen in the Premier League. Is it because League? we've got four buying Munichs rather than one? I was going to say, mm. I think there, there's still this, this kind of recognised pecking order as such. Yeah. Mm. Real Madrid is still a bigger club than Atletico. You know, yeah. Bayern Munich are still above Dortmund. Barca are above Valencia slightly. But yeah. I think the longer we go on with this, the TV money coming in, I think that teams like uh, an Everton in the Premier League, a few years' time, they could probably say, well, we don't, we don't need the money if you're offering forty million pounds for our, you know, a, a John Stone, one of our best players. We don't need to sell. We don't need the money anymore. Well, I think where Borough quids in in one respect is that the they really have nothing else to spend the money on but playing staff. Yeah. The, the the training grounds paid for, the grounds paid for. You know, you think you mentioned Evan there. Evan have to go on that and relocate or build a new stadium. Somewhere along the line, they're going to have to commit to four, five hundred million pounds of expenditure. Yeah. Spurs are about to do that. Um, unless you can get the government to do it for you, like West Ham. Liverpool but have got the new Liverpool stand. Liverpool have got the new stand, and possibly even then the ground mightn't be big enough for them. Yeah. So, so what, what Borough don't have is one of those big, massive capital outlays that's going to see them hive off money. I mean, Steve Gibson would be well within his rights to take a little bit of money back for himself after yeah, yeah. after writing off over £100 million over the last decade. But So I think that's a great situation. You think of the clubs coming up, they haven't got the facilities. You know, Turf Moor, best will in the world, is not a Premier League stadium. They haven't to spend money on the training ground. Hull, I don't think Watford Hull, had to do it. Watford had to do it. I don't know, you know, a lot of these clubs don't have great training grounds, so they may, might see a more valuable um, asset in the long term being a, a fifty million pound training ground, mm. hundred million pounds spent on some sort of greenfield site, 
Uh, we don't have to do that. In terms of kind of scouting players, you mentioned that they're looking at players. European Championships start this weekend. Uh, is that something Borough can look at now? Now they're a Premier League club, will will they have scouts there and uh, looking at the players? I'm sure they will do, but I'm sure that the players that they're they're looking at will have been on the radar, you know, several years. They won't just think, oh, we'll pop along to Slovakia versus Albania and see if there's anyone decent. They'll they'll have a list of players and they'll have had it for a long time. Um, the problem with the European Championships is if, if one player has one good game, then the valuation triples, doesn't mm. it? And that's yeah. the that's the dangerous game that Borough will enter if they go into that. Likewise, the Copper America as well. But that it happens every two years, doesn't it? And you know you can't get away from it. Uh, a deal may well have kind of been shook on behind closed doors, and they're just waiting for the the Euros to finish. But should that player have a, an unbelievable? Euros, what does that do? It's very difficult to tie up the deals before the Euros, which is why I said that well, it's impressive that Fisher's been done, albeit Denmark aren't in the Euros. It's very impressive for a team to go and secure that so early, um, and, and, and Borough moved quickly on that. But some of the other targets, they may just have to you know, bite the fingernails a little bit if they are at the Euros on the telly and, and hope that you know, they don't have an absolute worldy. You touched on the dangers, Phil, of, of buying someone purely off, off a yeah. good fortnight. Well, I think it's interesting, actually, because it's 20 years since Euro 96. And in that 20 years, we've seen the whole of the English scouting network change completely, mm. out of sight from what it was. You, you could still see a player have three good games in the Euros 20 years ago and they get a move to Man United on the back of it. We mentioned Karol Poborski mm. earlier. He scored that wonder goal against Portugal in the quarterfinals. And um, he got a move to Man United. Now, Man United might claim we were watching him for weeks. We've known about him for years. But it was funny how they went out and bought him and Cleberson and Jemba Jemba, all of whom were absolute disasters, <laughs> by the way. Uh, Fergie, who never gets it wrong, let's, uh, mm. let's mention that. But, yeah, I think it's changed. You know, as John O'Reilly says, there'll be no... I'd be amazed if anybody comes out of the Euros that nobody within the British scouting network hasn't heard of. You know, clubs just didn't look at players from Slovakia, Czech Republic, um, Southern Amer- Southern Europe, Greece, places like that in the early 90s. You maybe would look at Scandinavia. We saw some decent players coming down from there, you know, Fjortov for one example. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Borough, uh, sorry, England, English clubs weren't that close to signing foreign players, but they had their own markets. Now you'll sign it, basically sign anybody from anywhere if they fit the bill. Cheers, fellas. Fantastic. Thanks a lot.